Hello, welcome to the Love Rosie podcast, the show discussing the 2014 film Love Rosie, five minutes at a time, with Helen Asprey and Luke Allen. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Ellen Asprey. Hello. <laughs> and we're here back for the Love Rosie podcast. Um, to you listeners, it has been the normal routine. For us, it's been about three or four weeks since we've recorded anything. Yeah, anything? it's been it's been so long. Yeah, and we, we we apologise in advance that we may have jumpy bits in our schedule for episodes mm-hmm. releasing because life is is suddenly kicking back in, um, yeah. and unfortunately, life does not revolve around Love Rosie. Um, but yeah, sometimes we wish it could. Um, so uh, yeah, um, I don't think we've even spoke on here since we changed to Sundays. Have we? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Have we? No, I think we have. I think. Oh, yeah, I think we have, actually. I think we have, yeah. yeah. So, listeners, let us know how you're getting on with our Sunday release. <laughs> it's only been, like, one... Is it, like, one or two episodes that we've released on Sundays? Yeah, I think so. It's been it's been a lot nicer, though, um, on my end, uh, to have the weekend to be able to edit. So, we open with a track called Future Girl by Beau Dozier, which is playing uh, during Alex being in a bar, um, drinking his troubles away. I have a little a little possible complaint in terms of the noisiness with this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's very obvious that the music wasn't there when they were recording. The music yeah, is added afterwards. Yeah, that's I think they're shouting a little bit too much given the volume of the music. I There's just certain points where he's shouting, and I'm like, you don't need to shout that much. He's right next mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think mm. the exact same. Mm. I'm, I'm glad that's not just me. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what made me think about it. I was like, how on earth yeah. did they film these? Because I knew for a fact, like they were speaking way too loudly for what was going on. Yeah. And just everything. But I don't know. I don't think it really matters that much. It's only a really no. short scene. So uh, we then meet Phil. Um, who's played by Jamie Beamish, who was in Bridgerton and Derry Girls. Um, yeah, I, I noticed who it was when I watched Bridgerton. Like, I was like, oh, I know him. <laughs> I funny. still haven't seen Bridgerton. I knew it, like, blew up, and I'm not quite sure whether I'd like it or not. Uh, um, you probably won't, no. No, you probably um, wouldn't. But the so thing he's, is, right? Yeah. So we meet him. We meet, what's his name? Phil. Phil, yeah. So we meet him, but it really confuses me because his introduction is, oh, my sister is like basically wants to speak to you. Why yeah. Why doesn't she just walk over to him? Why is it him? Why is it him going over to him? I think it says quite a lot about Sally's character that like she will just have people do stuff for her all the time. Yeah. Because that kind of carries on into their relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but although she kind of seemed odd. like when she was cleaning in the house in like the later scenes. Yeah. I don't know. That's true. But also, I I think she's in this opening scene, apart from her sending Phil over, she seems quite nice. <laughs> like, mm. she doesn't seem instantly horrible, which is... Uh, no. Good. I, I put down she seems psychotic, so I'm, I, I don't agree. So, the last time I looked at the press, I tried to hang myself with my favourite tie. Hi, I'm Phil. 
Um, and what I like here with that line, right, is at the end of the film, uh, I don't know whether you remember, but he kind of jokingly, kind of seriously becomes engaged to Ruby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of Ruby's first... What One of the first things that Ruby said in the film was a dark joke about suicide. Yeah. So they're, they're perfect like for each other. They, they were perfect for, <laughs> yeah. I think about suicide, yeah. Great. So it could be a very toxic relationship, but with the universe, in, in, in the idea of cinema, they are very similar people. And, uh, yeah. And, and so Alex says... Alex... I've been sent to play fairy godmother. You don't look the part, babe. <laughs> My sister's been driving me crazy. She wants to know, would you buy her a drink? But it's like, so once again, say something about Sally. Would you buy her a drink? I think it's so weird. I've written down how much I find it so weird. And the way she walked... Just carry on, just carry on. <laughs> yeah, I think if I ignore my preconceptions of Tamsin Edgerton, then I would hate Sally. Uh, but at this point, I'm just like, oh, it's her from St. Trinian's and Keeping Mum. And so I'm just very on board because I love both those movies. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, um, it's interesting, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think it's so weird. Would you buy me a drink? It just seems rude. Like, just. Yeah. You don't. I don't, I don't think you're. Like, I don't think that's how you I think, weirdly, Phil saying it on her behalf makes it seem less yes. less forced to me. Hearing him say, she wants to know, would you buy her a drink? Weirdly sounds politer than, would you buy me a drink? Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah. But it's like... Why is it his responsibility? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which one is she? The hot girl from class. Sally. The bright sunflower and the family winning the box. And of course, as I've said, Sally is played by Tamsin Edgerton, who was in Grimsby, Keeping Mum, and St. Trinian's, which are all really good movies. I know some people don't like Grimsby. I thought it was good fun. Um, it was funny. I don't remember who. I don't remember her being in it. That's the weird thing. No, neither do I. Is she one of the sisters? I'm just going to check. She's one of the sisters. I, it's I just. Because I, I saw it on her IMDb and I wrote it down, but I'm thinking now, like, who the heck was she in Grimsby? Um. Such a weird film, isn't it? Yeah, like it's once again. Is it the one like where he gets inside of a cow? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I googled Tamsin Edgerton Grimsby, and it's just showing me pictures of Tamsin Edgerton and pictures of Grimsby, but no pictures of her in Grimsby. Oh, okay. Well, uh, look at the Grims- Grimsby cast. Let's see. She plays Carla Barnes. Everybody's been wondering why the cute British guy looks I, so. I hate, I hate her British accent. Uh, American yeah. accent. I mean. Well, yeah, because she, she is British. I think that's is yeah, that clear. Right, that's, yeah, I think that's why it came out there. <laughs> yeah. No, I hate British. her American accent. It's so. Duh. I think it's because she has quite a posh British accent in real life. Yeah. She just seems quite. I don't know. She's snobby. I just get snobby vibes from her as soon as we meet her. She replied to me once on an Instagram post. That's my claim to fame. Uh, wow. She replied to my comment. I can't remember what the thing was, but I remember specifically being like, whoa, she replied to me. And uh, that's it. But uh, no, she's, anyone who hasn't seen Keeping Mum, 
she's amazing in Keeping Mum. Watch Keeping Mum. She plays Rowan Atkinson's daughter in the great movie where Maggie Smith is a serial killer. Like, just from that, go watch it. It's amazing. Um, I've actually never seen that film. I've it up now. It, yeah, it's not very well known, but it's oh, it's so so funny. Uh, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. If it is, then we should definitely do a movie night of Keeping Mum because it is, I think, one of the funniest comedy films ever, and it is so underrated. So I think Patrick Swayze is in it as well. Like, oh, so good. Keeping Mum, one of the best films. Oh, she's got brunette hair in this. Yeah. So uh, everyone's wondering why the cute British guy looks so sad. Uh, and I have one comment about this, which is that I think it's a really interesting choice for a rom-com to actually not have their main characters be unattractive within the universe. To actually acknowledge that Sam Claflin is supposedly an attractive man is rare for a rom-com because it's so often like they cast all these kind of models, but they're like, oh, but no one likes me because I'm so ugly. And it's like, but you're a model or like, you you know what I mean? Mm. It's it's so rare for that not to be the, that to be the case that actually that line stood out to me a lot. But I think I think we need that, though, don't we? Because we need to understand that they both have their very different lives. Yeah. I don't think they ever make that a, uh, a <laughs> comment about Lily Collins's looks at a film. There's like they don't. There's not really a ton of like the other way. It's interesting. But yeah, no, I think I think with Rosie and Sam, it kind of has to be no Rosie and Alex. What's his name in the film? Alex. Oh I forgot. God. I forgot that this today as well. Like when we started, I just froze for a second, and you probably didn't notice, but I did. I was like, no, I didn't. Because I tried to say <laughs> Sam also, which is just. You can yeah, tell, it's listeners, like... it's been ages. It's, <laughs> we're broken yeah. now. Um... <laughs> Sorry. It's time to realise you're here with us. And that we might be fun to be with. And... Oh, that is tragic. No, keep going, it's fun. <laughs> and, um, and then we hit him with some music. And I don't know whether you realised this, because I didn't until I was checking the soundtrack. It's an upbeat cover of Moonlight Serenade by Glenn Miller. I probably would have noticed it in the film, but I, I, I wouldn't have noticed it. I'm going to just, like, now, for the sake of the fact that it was, like, I was so, like, taken aback by it, the, and the fact that I didn't realise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play both now, um, and so I will also play them in the, in the actual show. Christmas. I hope you got my present. Thanks for the book, Alex. I know she'll love and, it. And Monday. now, to Glenn Miller. I like I would have I, I would have known I knew it was something from something like I knew it yeah. was that Do you know I mean but I didn't I couldn't tell you which one it, what yeah it like it, it felt familiar but I wasn't quite sure why it felt familiar yeah and then as soon yeah. as I was checking the soundtrack and I saw Moonlight Serenade I was like what the Glenn Miller thing and then I checked but it was like oh of course and I, I love that so much um, yeah no I like that well, uh, it makes me really sad that it's five years later and it's it's so and it's so in tune with the score for the film as well. Like it doesn't feel out of place. No, I agree. Because Ralph Wagenmayer didn't do this cover. This cover was done by um, by Imer Diodato, but it fits with the music that Ralph Wagenmayer is doing, which I just think is it's just incredible. Yeah. This is my new apartment. What's this you're doing here, darling? Um, can I make hearts? 
here and we have my favourite Back to the Future poster. It looks so special in the bathroom. And I love the fact that we set this up because it it makes such a powerful shot later in the film. You think? Don't you think when he's when he's moving out? Think of the... when, when they break up and he's moving out. Oh, and we they see him. Into, that's yeah, the we last see him. That goes yeah. Into the... And I really yeah. like that. They're just these tiny things are set off and paid up. Set up and paid off. It's like yeah. it's like Chekhov's gun. Um, it's just there. Um, and it makes and me really hope that I can reach that level of writing with these like little things. Um, I've done it a little bit uh, with things, but I don't know whether anyone's noticed. <laughs> so uh, I guess your films haven't been long enough, though, have they? No. There's a couple in Reduced to Clear. Um, um, I think that's it. So we have a Back to the Future poster, and it's it would look so. Sally says it would look so special in the bathroom, and then Rosie. I actually really like where it is. Yeah, I think I think it works really it well. Fills the space really well. Mm. Yeah, I really want. To, I mean, I'm I'm currently going through the stages of doing it with my bedroom, but that's only this half at the moment. But I really want to get like a proper room that's just like film posters, framed film posters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like we were when we were recording with Christine Ditter, he had like posters yeah. behind him and that's kind of what I would like mm. but obviously because of my walls and like the open yeah. stuff I can't really do it what um what I'm going to do is I've got like a plain black wall currently over there and I think I'm going to put loads of photos and posters from different films that I've made and just have like the yeah. different kind of like memories of like with all the cast and crew and stuff like somewhere in my room I can't remember where it is I got everyone who was in Unstable to sign a poster and so I'd quite like to put that up somewhere um, yeah. I meant to do it with my coursework film and then just didn't get around to it. Um, but I'm, when we do Reduce to Clear, I'm going to try and get everyone, like both cast and crew, to all sign the front page of my script. Um, and then frame it. Yeah, which I, I will definitely frame, and I think it would look lovely. Let's go! Katie Dunn, it's your book Christmas. Christmas. So suddenly, we've jumped ahead three years. I know. Therefore, Rosie is now 23, I think, because we opened on her 18th birthday. It's so sad because it's so real. Like, Mm. that's pretty much how quickly life goes. Yeah, and that's just nothing eventful or worth telling has happened in those three years. Yeah. Um, So my guess is that she's about 23 because we opened on her 18th birthday. And shortly after that was the prom when she slept with Greg. And if now Katie is four, then we're assuming it's been about five years since we started. So Rosie's 23. Yeah. Uh, which I, I really want to try and keep keep track of time throughout this. Um, but yeah. So, um, and then Alex and Sally sing. And then... Um, Although she sounds really weird in this. Like she's very like over the top in it, isn't she? Hmm. Whenever I hear this, this song, I've already forgotten what deck the halls that's what it is whenever i hear the tra la 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 it always reminds me of did you ever watch miranda like i know it's not a great nah, show but no. my mum likes it it's one of those nice kind of trashy watches but they they had a christmas special where there was like a whole scene where they had the they had uh, deck the halls playing in the background and they'd be having a conversation and whenever it got to that point they just all just stop and go la 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 and it's genuinely really funny i think um no, in a cringy I'm... way <laughs> Probably very cringy, isn't it? I don't yeah. know. But no, um, with with this bit, I'm pretty sure Sally's like over the top. She kind of tries to take over. And then they give um, 
Rosie and Ruby, who's there in there, a, a Moonpig card. Uh, we don't know it's Moonpig, yeah. but it's definitely Moonpig. Um, that says uh, Merry Christmas with a picture of both of them together. And uh, they don't look incredibly happy about that. It's quite funny, isn't it? So, so then they had a picture of of um, of Katie, Rosie, and Ruby, uh, and they send that over in a kind of more handmade card. And Sally goes, "Really? Did uh, mommy get my Christmas card?" Really? It's so lovely in this short montage that we we've known Sally for. A minute and a half. Yeah. By this point, but we know exactly what she's like. Yeah. That's filmmaking. <laughs> that was cringe. <laughs> um, and that's filmmaking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then uh, Rosie says, uh, "Thanks for Katie's present. She wants me to tell you she can cycle and count to five. And I find this way funnier than I should. That she's cycling and counting to five and stops both at the same time. I find it so funny. I didn't even think that was funny. I just thought that was just like... No, but I like it because she can cycle and count to five and then she hits five and then she just falls. And I find it so funny that uh, it's both at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's, so, it's such an awfully kind of pathetic little joke, but it, it catches me off guard every time um, that I would make it. I really need to rewatch the whole film again. Yeah, I—I I mean, I watched it just before Christian did it, but you were—you—you you were too busy being productive. Uh, so, <laughs> how dare you? Um, but, no, um, it's—it's—I oh, just love it, uh, and I found it so weird when I rewatched it for the first, uh, like when we were doing the Christian before doing Christian Dicker interview, because basically those first like what 20 minutes half an hour however long we'd we'd gone into those bits we'd analyzed i knew off by heart and then as soon as we'd yeah. left that bit i'd forgotten everything that happened next and it was yeah. just like such a weird split um i think it would definitely be worth like watching either together or separately after we've done the whole show and just see like how watching the film is then because it feels so weird watching a film you've like analyzed to death just one I feel like I'd end up watching it the exact same way. Maybe, but it would I feel it do. would feel way quicker. Do you think? Yeah, it's it's like about time and love actually and everything for me. It's literally like you put it on and you feel like you've been there for twenty minutes and it's gone off. Because every five minutes we've spent an hour talking about to actually just watch yeah. them in real time all the way through is so quick. Um Yeah, I guess so. But I be warned. I haven't had it happen yet, but I've been warned by me one minute hosts that potentially that you go through a stage where you, shortly after you've hosted your show, you where you end film. up hating the film for a bit before you go back into loving it. So yeah. that may happen. I don't know. I, I don't think anyone that. can hate this movie. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I feel like we're going to end up finding problems <laughs> later on, though, aren't we? That we didn't include in the podcast, that's going to make us hate it. Maybe. Um, so I feel like there was one in about time that I told Richard about, but I can't remember. Uh, but I feel I remember that happening, like telling Richard, like I don't like this bit; it's a problem. Um, anyway, uh, so me, I've got a job, and finally moved out of mum and dad's. Now Ruby's got the job too, and I'm intrigued. Like, how did that happen? How do they know, both get a job? Is this part where um, Rosie walks into the the hotel? The hotel, yeah. Oh, I hang on. This, bit. this says, oh, it's so this so says five years later at the start of this. Yeah. But 
I guess because we've had the montage, it's not five years after the montage later, is it? It's five years later from before the montage started. Yeah, I would say it's just five years and then because other, otherwise we've otherwise it's nine years since the bar scene at the start of this this episode, and that's just not the case. Yeah, remember. unless it's yeah, unless it's like this is the montage is pre five years kind of pre maybe. Yeah, I think that's got to be what it is, but it's odd to have five years later because we had wrote we had Katie. It's your fourth Christmas, so we we know already. They don't need to tell us. But yeah, so um, I wonder how Ruby got the job there. <laughs> Because Rosie's they first applied job... They together, though, didn't they? Yeah, maybe. Because Ro... Rosie's job isn't exactly high up enough if she's, like, the cleaner for her to be hiring. But I guess maybe one of them got the job and then when something became available, they were kind of like, hey, you should apply. Um... Yeah. I-, I think it's just one of those things you just don't ask yourself. It's done! Welcome back to the hotel. I believe it's the penthouse suite for you. That's right, thanks. It's so it's so something. If you work with your friend, this is what you would do. Oh yeah, and it's not like they're trying to impress the man to like get anything out of him. It's not like that. You know, she's trying to like get him to ask her out or anything. It's just that she's just having a laugh, and I really like that. And I think it's a it's a refreshing portrayal in rom coms that's not just women consistently only ever wanting a man's attention for love. Yeah, like it's just wanting a laugh, and I think that's actually probably quite progressive in the world of rom-coms, because rom-coms are incredibly sexist. Um, yeah. But then this being female-led, I guess, is a bit different anyway. Um, but I can't really make a comment. What do you think about where this rom-com lies in on the sexist scale? Do you think it's it's pretty decent for its representation of women? Um, I think so. Some parts are a little bit iffy. But I think most for the most part, I'll just take it. Um, so then we've actually got quite a while where there isn't any dialogue so I'm going to have to go check the actual minute to see what happens um, but she, she goes she goes into the hotel room and look at me, I just remember the whole film um, she goes into the hotel room and she sees a magazine with Bethany on it and then she starts smashing it the... The hotel room is so lovely and pink. <laughs> pink? Yeah, it's 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 like white, but with like so much like pink dotted throughout that it's actually quite. I, I like it. It's got a good aesthetic. So, and she's on the front of Look magazine. Is that a thing? Is that a real magazine? Yes, it is. Okay. Awesome. I should have checked that. Um, I don't know women's magazines, so there we go. She was on the cover of Look magazine. Which often seem to have like big celebrities on the front. So Bethany's made it big to be on the front of Look magazine. And then we hear Smile With Me by Nitro playing. And we move into, I think, what is the last sequence in the film where I'm debating whether it totally fits or not. Is this when a policeman, is that hers? Yeah, there's, uh, we've got the policeman. This, uh, I've got stuff to say about this. Yeah, I, I I just feel this whole style of comedy once again just doesn't work as well. It's it's not as bad as the clothing rack thing, but it's just no. It's it, it's not 
that bit that annoys me. It's the bit with when she's walking in the school with yes. the headboard. That's the bit that just yeah. This is this is yeah. This me. is this like, is fine on its own. Her going off with yeah. the headboard. It's like this is so absurd. This is yeah. like a scene I could see in A Fish Called Wanda, not in Love Rosie. Yeah. But I think at the same time, because of obviously the clothing rail and this, I guess in some way it's kind of, it's been put in there so it kind of links a little bit more with it. Yeah, the clothing rail, the clothing rail, the condom and this are, are, are tonally consistent with each other. Yeah. I wouldn't say they necessarily work, but I think they've been put in there so the other ones don't look stupid. Yeah, it feels almost to me maybe that these three scenes are the tone that the film was in the first draft and that they've kind of maybe, as they've adapted the film, ended up keeping those in. I don't know, we'd have to ask Christian. Um, But yeah, so this this whole bit just doesn't quite work for me. I think the one thing that would have made it work with, with the whole being handcuffed to the headboard would be yeah. if we then had a scene with her talking to Ruby about how embarrassing it was. But this is never brought up again. We don't have her going, no, oh, it was I so embarrassing, it... you know. No, because I think that would have just been awkward. That would have been like, what, a two-second shot of her saying how embarrassing it was, what would happen after. Well, they'd be. it would lead it's into some very... conversation, I think. No, I don't think it would. But it's like... I think it would lead to some kind of unneeded conversation that, we, that doesn't... I. Yes, but I think I think, for example, the thing with the earlier on when she's in hospital with Doctor Dick, right? I felt that that joke didn't fit until she was in the car with Alex, joke laughing about how weird it was and how uncomfortable it was, and then I was like, "Oh, okay." It's almost like the characters have acknowledged themselves that it doesn't fit. Yeah, I think if the clothing rack thing had happened and she'd been able to talk to someone afterwards and be like, "Oh, that's." That's odd, or can't believe that happened. Then it's at least that she, within the universe, acknowledged that it's not totally fitting her own life, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, yeah, but I think it would have just been too forced in that sense. No, that that's fair. And then it would I have guess, been giving a bit too much attention to what is one gag. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I don't. I don't like this. <laughs> um, no, I don't like this bit. It's it's just when she walks in the school. Like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you just turn around and say. Go in. We're not going to school. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or if she, she if she in. gets as far, so she's walked her to school. That's one thing. Uh, whilst yeah. I don't believe that her going into the school. Yeah. Her not not just her going. All right, head off to your class now. Like, yeah, but you're literally walking around a public area with a headboard and handcuffs. Like people know exactly what that is. Yeah. And it's by the looks of know. by the looks of Katie's face, she knows exactly what's happened as well. Yeah. As if even she's like, I can see through your lies. I know what's going on here. Yeah. And uh, I really like that. I don't know whether that's deliberately intended or just weirdly how the actress speaks, but that's exactly what I got. Was I see it? Um, yeah. And uh, which I'd be then more concerned if Katie does actually understand what's going on, though. To be fair. Um, uh, yeah, I was gonna say. Then wrote, which is the other thing, right? So she's in shot through all of this, Katie. So they definitely shot this scene with her present. They didn't shoot like it, it's very clear they didn't shoot her separately so that she these so the child didn't actually know what was going on. She's there. 
How did they explain this scene to the actress? They wouldn't have had to, I don't think. Because if you think about it, it's a small house. Like, a child wouldn't have... Oh, they did it before. They did that bit before. Yeah, but I feel like... I don't know. Because, like, um, there's a... So one of my favourite films is Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, which is just so stupid. But there is a very crude scene where there is a lot of conversations about sex and there's a lot of children, like, present. And the actors had to change the words to be about something else and then dub over what they actually mean. Which, it's not noticeable in the film, but, like, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff has said that, like, they just weren't illegally allowed to say these things in front of children on the set. And so I'm just, I'm intrigued. I assume that those laws probably aren't in place anymore, but it's interesting. Probably not. But I wouldn't... The, she's not going to remember anyway. She was really young. Yeah. Scene. So I don't think it really matters. If you are the actress yeah. playing five-year-old Katie, email us. LoveRosiePod at gmail.com Guess what I'm saying? Come in and steal us. Are you my daddy? No. No, he's just a nice man that's helping mommy out a bit. Let's Yeah, surely you just like saw it or something. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you do something. And the suggestion to me is that whoever this policeman is, he just he left her there, right? He he doesn't help her sort herself out. He realizes the wrong no, key. No, it's so bad. It's so bad. I think that's why it annoys me because it's that bit, and then also the fact that she just still takes her child to school with it. Yeah, on her hand, like it's just. Just weird. She's a tr- Rosie seems to be attracted to Greg like men. Because he, he's such a Greg. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I would have been quite interested to. I think this scene might work. It might have worked better if it were moved to later on the film when she's with Greg and it was Greg. No, because I think you've got to show that kind of development as well. Yeah, and I guess you. I guess this way, it's not that she's sitting waiting around for another man to turn up. Yeah, it's like exactly. that she's kind of sexually she, out it's there. It's basically yeah. It's basically saying that she's kind of, you know, she's not ugly. She's not not get anyone kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that she's not prudish. Like she's very kind of sexually free. Um, but yeah, it's um. So then, yeah, she drops, drops Katie off school. And I'll admit, there was one point in the sequence where I actually kind of chuckled, which is the looks of one of the parents as he comes through the as as as, as he leaves the door. Like, I mean, uh, so when she drops them off at I've school at, at that the classroom, <laughs> yeah, he's fa- he's facing the other direction, so we don't actually see his his face, but he's it's this guy who kind of has to like just squeeze past at the bedpost, and he just kind of gives it a second glance as he walks off, and that that did make me laugh. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's... I hate this scene, but that's funny. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's so odd. Um, 
do we have anything more to say about this about that bit before we move on to other than i hate it yeah we hate it this is i'm so tired today yeah, I'm so glad we had we put the Christian Ditter episode between last one of these and this one because otherwise we'd just have two episodes in a row of us hating things. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't believe last proper episode was the clothing rack. Like oh, that yeah. feels so long ago. Um, yes, so Sally, we it then cut. Long ago in the film, though. Yeah, it's like five years ago now. <laughs> Literally, yeah. So we cut into to Sally and saying. That's a, th- that's a thought, oh, sorry. actually. Sorry. Yeah. The fact that it's five years, it does actually feel like you're passing a long yeah. time. So the, the fact that we just thought of this being a lot later on in the film, when it wasn't, it was like, what, a few minutes ago? It's weird, isn't it? So the listeners, can we pretend that our like delay in episodes was deliberately intentional because we skip ahead five years? It was all, all part of our master plan. I'm not, I'm not going to be podcasting in five years. No. <laughs> you dreamt you were an inanimate object? Yeah, I mean, come on. An arrow flying through the air, that's pretty cool. I don't understand. How can you be a thing? I don't know. I always had dreams like that. It's, no, this, this conversation annoys me because it's like, he's going on about how he's an arrow shooting through the sky or whatever. And then she's like, how can you be a thing? Well, it's a dream. Yeah, of course you can be a thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think I've had any dreams where I'm not myself, but I kind of understand that. Well, I guess I have. I've had lots of dreams that start with me watching a film, but then by the end of the dream, it's like I am the character in the film. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I also most of my dreams have soundtracks to them. Is that weird? Yeah. I think it's because I spend a lot of time like walking to places on my own listening to music. So in my mind, whenever I'm doing anything in a dream, that music is playing. So yeah. like I had um, one of my last, this is, this is probably quite sad, but I'm going to say it anyway. One of the last dreams I had of my dog before he passed away was of me playing about with him whilst the song Sunshine on Leaf by the Proclaimers was playing, which is like a really, really kind of sad song. Um, and so that song is just like now means my dog to me so that's uh, but Sunshine on Leith is a lovely song I will be Interesting. It sounds to me like self-esteem issues, sweetie. You need to talk to someone. You know, there were razor hairs in the bathroom again today. Really? You know, it gives me allergies. Next time you have one of your weird dreams, maybe you should dream you're something useful like that. And we cut off that. We'll never know until next week what, what useful he should dream he should be. I think she says vacuum. She, she does say vacuum. Yes. No, you don't have to listen yeah. next week, listeners. We spoiled it for you. Yeah. But yeah. No, I, 
I hate her so much. I just have a huge dislike towards her. Yeah. Which is very clearly intentional. I think she I think she gets it right, Tamsin Edgerton, the balance of characters that you love to hate. Because I don't feel so annoyed by her on screen that I want to turn the film off whenever she's there. Yeah. Which there are I some agree. films where you have the annoying character, which I just don't want to watch it when they're there. Um, so, for example, I know you've never watched Friends, right? Um, mm-hmm. But there's a character in Friends called Janice, who is so unlikable whenever she's on screen. Weirdly, I think I've heard some people say they're a favourite character. I don't get that. But she, whenever she's on screen, I want to turn it off. I just despise her. I despise her annoying voice. I despise her laugh. I despise everything. Yeah. So the fact that Sally, I'm watching it and I don't like her, but I'm happy watching it is, I think, really well done. But then also we don't really see her much, whereas with Friends it's a series, isn't it? Yeah, but with Janice, even if she's only in the episode for 30 seconds, I then hate the episode. Um, I think someone else who gets it right is one of my favourite actors, Tom Hollander. And actually Bill Nye does it a lot, uh, who are both my favourite actors. Uh, where they play unlikable and horrible characters, but you also just still like watching them. Um, mm-hmm. So in About Time, yeah. Tom Holland is always very angry and very annoyed. And I'm trying to think, Shaun of the Dead, Bill Nye's like just that horrible stepdad, but also you're not annoyed by him. You yeah. still kind of yeah. like watching his character. And I think that's such a balance for actors that I'd like to take my hat off to Tamsin Edgerton uh, for her performance. Although her American accent is tragic. Yeah, it kind of balances out. She's just average again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it for this episode. That's, that's it. We've got to move on to our segments. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, you, you forgot we, we, we said it's been a while. It's been, it's been a while. It has. I mean, like, I literally haven't had enough time to watch films that I'd recommend. Like, the films that I've seen are not films I'd recommend to people. I mean, I can recommend a really old film that people will not want to watch. Is that Wild Strawberries? Yep. I'm planning on watching watch it, it this week. Well, people, they, you can go watch that if you want, but this not, like, I wouldn't recommend it to someone. It's on YouTube, though, so... Yeah. It is on YouTube. And it's quite short. I, I, am, I am planning on watching it this week. Um... Maybe tomorrow I've got a morning off before I meet with friends, so maybe I'll get up and watch Wild Strawberries. Obviously, it's just whilst I enjoy a lot of foreign films, you ha- you have to be in a different mindset to kind of yeah. follow them properly. That I've watched a lot of trashy movies recently, so I think the one that I'm going to recommend is probably one of the only ones that was not a trashy movie. Um, to anyone who follows me on Letterboxd, I give very high ratings to films that I enjoy, even if they're bad. So these past two weeks, I've watched awful movies, but had a whale of a time. So I've given them like fours and fives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, have you have you anything anything more to say about Wild Strawberries? Um, I think it's it's quite it's it's one of those films where you have to watch it with an open mind, and just kind of watch it and just watch it as you would a comedy film. Obviously, it's not much of a comedy. It's quite a sad film. I did not cry. It's not that sad, but I feel like some people would get that from it. That 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 sounds like I will cry. If if, if there's a possibility it, that if, someone if, will cry, I will cry. Um, that's yeah. it is it is quite sad, but it's it's only sad because you're kind of watching him realize and come to 
Is it one that you have to be in a certain mood to watch, or is it one that you think you could be on board with whenever you watch it? I think you, yeah, I think whenever. That's, it's quite an easy, it's quite an easy watch. I think, if I'm honest. That's Unlike cool. Mirror, which I watched the other day, that was intense. Oh yeah, I, I haven't seen that. I have no idea what is going on in that film, but it is the most beautiful film I think I've ever seen in my life. Like the cinematography is stunning. I was kind of like that um, the other day. I what was it I watched? I watched um, Under the Skin. Oh yeah, and that's kind I of like that. that. Yeah, I noticed right by complete like genuine coincidence. I had checked. Um, I I heard Under the Skin mentioned on a podcast at one point, and I added it to my watch list. And then I checked Letterboxd and found out that you'd also added it to your watch list on the same day. And I was just like, "That's mm. so." random um that's cool. but yeah that's probably a really yeah. stupid anecdote but i'm just intrigued that literally on the same day we both decided that we wanted to watch under the skin and then uh, who, who did it before let's find out i don't know that's if i can find out down. yes it's going to be no, way too far, be down. far down the activity. um i think you were before actually i think you were just before by like a couple of hours i probably was i mean i have been for the other ones. <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to just stop adding things to my watch list and trying to get through it because otherwise I'm going to end up with like... Because some of the people I follow have like watch lists of yes. so many films, you're never going to get through them. Like I know for a fact you're just adding them and you're never going to watch them. And yeah, I, I, should, I, I, might, I might start purging my watch list um, because I, yeah, I, I'd quite like to... I'd quite like to have a good list for when I go like to DVD shops and stuff that I can yeah. just check quickly and know what I'm after whereas yeah that makes sense um, so my film of the week if if we're able to I don't know whether you finished talking about Wild Strawberries or not Yeah, no, um, so my, my film of the week technically I watched it just over a week ago but since we haven't recorded for like three weeks I'm counting it is a film called Father of the Bride uh, I don't know if you're aware of this. This is actually technically a remake. There was one in the 50s. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to try to. It was also one of the first films my parents watched together when they were dating. So it's a, it's a random fact that no one cares about on the show, since no one listening knows my parents. Um, but it's um, Steve Martin and Diane Keaton, um, and they play a married couple whose daughter has just been away for a year, and she comes back and tells them that she's engaged. And it's about this guy just coming to terms. It's like a, it's a comedy, but it's him coming to terms with the fact that his daughter's an, a grown up now and is going to leave home. And it's both so sweet and emotional. I guess in some some sense, like with him coming to terms with terms with his daughter growing up, similar to Wild Strawberries in a sense. Not really, but you know what I mean. I don't. I can't remember what Wild Strawberries is about. So <laughs> it's about this. It's just about this like man that kind of just travels. Um, just takes. A, I think it's like a trip to get in a... Like, basically, he just drives all the way to somewhere where he's collecting an award or something. And along that journey, he kind of comes to terms with a lot of things from his life and, like, who he is and stuff. And it's quite quite sad. It definitely sounds deeper than Father of the Bride, but Father of the Bride is just a lovely, sweet movie. But yeah, Father of the Bride is, is him coming to terms with um, his, his daughter getting married. And one of the, like, most... like beautifully emotional scenes in the film comes right at the start so i don't feel like it's a spoiler to say and it's um 
when his daughter like first announces that she's getting married, we then uh, we then see the same scene again in his mind, and his daughter's like five year old, and it's like how he still sees her as a kid, and it's just oh. Yeah. It's it's so sweet that's and it's so funny and it's one of the I, like I came out of this move I came out of this film going that's the kind of film I want to make mm-hmm. and um and then I was like I wonder if I could remake it and then I found out there's a remake in the works already and now I'm very sad um because kind of I'd already come up with my dream cast for the remake uh, which would be Paul Rudd instead of Steve Martin because I think Paul Rudd is of the right age to be playing an adult who still kind of feels young but is getting old. Um, because Paul Rudd seems to always be young. Uh, I don't know what magic potion he's had. Um, but yeah, that's 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 my film of the week, Father of the Bride. Um, shout out to, to that film, Father of the Bride, and Wild Strawberries. Now, Ellen, do you remember what our question of the week was? Because <laughs> it was many a week ago. Um, no. So Christian chose our question of the week, which was... Um, oh, it was... It was... What will make you go back to cinemas or something? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, uh, do you want to potentially read our Instagram? And I will find our Facebook. So, the question of the week was, what film or type of film would you have... Wait, what? Why so have you I, word, I worded so... it so strange. Yeah, I was going to say, what... Okay, I'll just, I'll just reword it. Um, so, what films would make you return to the cinema, right? Yeah. What, like type of films okay i also just specified then, covid safe in order to just ensure that we are endorsing that you need to stay safe so we've got one person that's put comedy um and then the rest are any and everything yeah. and just yeah i'm starting Can to I agree film? with that i think i think i'd just go see anything now i am very i'm i i think i'm gonna get i i haven't ever had one i think i'm gonna finally get for like the unlimited cinema cards i think it's i think it's time to just watch all the movies uh, i have one and I, I use it loads purely because i like to keep up with the films that come out yeah and often often i'm i'm not really a huge fan of them i tend to come out of the cinema and think that was so shit. but of, like it's just kind of nice to say that i've seen it yeah that that's what i've been thinking a lot is that actually so many of them to to just be able to watch them and be on board and not worry about missing out on about losing money to see a film that i don't like yeah. um but yeah i just I, I i'm debating at the moment as to whether odian or Cineworld ones are the best um, I don't know, but apparently Odeon's really nice. I've never been in it. Brian says, I'm going to a showing of Karate Kid, and then I'm going to see A Quiet Place 2 next week, which I assume is probably a week ago now. Uh, Black Widow is going to get me there as well. Uh, so yeah, Brian seems to be pretty I'm... on board with anything. <laughs> um, Maybe. But yeah, anyway. It, what, what... Are we read... Did you read out the name? I, I did for Brian, but yeah. Okay. Um, Alan put, been back since Tenet, came out last summer. Austin says P.T. Anderson, P.T. Anderson, P.T. Anderson. Um, and yeah, I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson does a lot of movies and I'm sure, sure they could, I'm not I'm not too well versed with, with what he does, but clearly Austin is a fan. Uh, Jonathan put A Quiet Place Part 2. This is the thing, right? I haven't heard about anything. I don't think I've heard anything about Quiet Place 2. I've only heard about people saying that they're going to see it, or they have seen it, but I've not heard anything more. I don't think I've seen the original. I didn't. I didn't like the first one. I thought it was so boring. I'm not sure if I have seen it. 
it was just this era, wasn't it, where it was like Bird Box did you can't see, Quiet Place did like you you can't say things. Like it was just. I'm pretty sure the ending is something where they kill. They're able to kill them with like a sound wave or something. Is that right? Maybe I say I, I haven't, I haven't seen film. it. I've only seen clips. Quite possibly, but yeah, I haven't seen Quiet Place. I will watch it, but it's not high on my list. Um, David says when I saw yeah, the new no, trailer. Yeah, okay, I was right. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, David said when I saw the new trailer for The Green Knight, I made a little vow to myself that to see that in a real theatre, and I intend to follow through on that promise. Um, yeah, I don't know much about The Green Knight, but you can't make that promise. You don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Um, Doris put maybe Indy 5 what even is that? She, she means Indiana Jones I think because there's, there's a oh. fifth Indiana Jones film coming out soon see look I don't watch that I don't watch Indiana Jones oh, you, you, you've got to watch an Indiana Jones have you not seen any of them? I think I've seen one but I thought it was really boring uh, right. yeah. depends which one if it's kind of in the crystal school no one's complaining um, it's the first one I think uh, well, yeah, the fourth one was a mess where they just suddenly aliens exist now for some reason, and that was that was the fourth one where the, where it was revealed it was aliens all along, and it's like, but but aliens don't exist in this universe until now. But Indiana Jones five, I will definitely watch that. Jay says cry macho with uh, in brackets Clint Eastwood because he does host Dirty Harry Minute, and he seems to be a big Clint Eastwood fan. Niall puts. The Green Knight. Bob says, uh, having been vaccinated, I went to Wrath of Man recently and loved it. A real big screen film. Robert put, um, it's strange considering I used, um, I'm used to seeing three to four a weekend. He put something big with no, no streaming option. So then I've just noticed that uh, we did have another one that was sent separately, which was from the Sick Canned podcast, where they said, at this point, anything. But I'd love a really good turn-your-brain-off, sit-back-and-relax, explodey action film mess. Completely unnecessary destruction and chaos with cheesy one-liners starring The Rock. Um, I'm not... I don't... I, I, I don't really I like The Rock. I think one thing that's... I don't mind him, he's alright. He's just a bit... His films can be movie. fine, but there was a period where he was in everything and it just annoyed me a bit. Yeah. What's one thing that's going to get you back in cinemas? I don't know. I'm very actively looking at the moment to find like the next big film I want to go and see. Um, yeah. I think when The Father comes out properly uh, in the UK, I'm going to give that a watch. Yeah. I think for me, it's going to be... Well, I'm going to go with The Conjuring. Because there's nothing like... Right, horror films tend to be so bad, but as soon as you step into a cinema and watch it in a cinema with people around you, it's fun. Yeah, I enjoy it. Like it's it's something I enjoy, and I think that's kind of why, for quite a while, I loved horror. Just loved horror films; they're just my favorite. But now I'm kind of drifting away because they're all the exact same. Which don't get me wrong, this Conjuring is probably going to be so bad and probably so similar to the rest. But I don't know. But because you're in a cinema cinema, and because you're back in that experience, you'll have a whale of a time. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, I think that's a that's a good answer. But yeah, I'm definitely. I was never really a cinema person, but I think oh, because of lockdown, I'm now just so on board to see anything. Um, no, I love going to the cinema. I'm just someone that just I like to be forced to watch a film. That makes sense. I think I think for me, it's because um, I don't have like the Limitless or anything. Like I was always having yeah. to actively decide: is it worth paying like seven pound each to go and see whatever? 
and yeah. it was never it's, it's never quite the same when you're having to think about money <laughs> like you're not yeah, properly no, enjoying yourself you're going this has got to be worth it um yeah so i think the only time i've been to see a film twice in the cinema was to go and see yesterday um i went to see that two like two weeks in a row um before lockdown the last thing i wanted to see was a beautiful day in the neighborhood starring tom hanks beautiful movie and then during lockdown like in that middle cinema period i went to see bill and ted three um so i really like bill and ted um but yeah i'd just love to see anything um i really wanted over um on christmas eve but i couldn't make it in the end to go my local cinema was doing uh, uh oh, love, actually. love actually yeah i think i'd quite like to go to a re-release i think that would that would be a thing for me. It's like a f- when when you're in the audience and you know that everyone they're there has have, seen. They're gonna have they're gonna have loads of re-releases. Yeah. I reckon, just I... so they can bring up the the money back for cinemas. They've lost so much money. Yeah, I just think being in the audience and knowing that everyone there has seen and loves the film. Yeah. Is just instantly like a you don't have to win us over. We're on board, and I love yeah. the idea of. Of people, I don't know whether it is the case, but like I was, get, I'm imagining that like with the screening uh, of Love Actually, for example, Mia, the the girl who leads to Alan Rickman having the affair and all the rest, like I I wouldn't be surprised if you get like audible like booing and stuff in the audience from people just hating her, and I love that idea of just everyone kind of just having fun. Like we know what's going to happen, so we're going to laugh together. We're going to make little comments here and there yeah. and uh that's why I, I guess really high on my list although technically i have to wait another nine months until i can legally attend the screening in london would be to go and see the room on the big screen oh yeah that's i literally couldn't put myself through it again <laughs> i just couldn't do it yeah that's fair um i think i think for me just the the idea of like people throwing stuff and shouting things at the screen um is is, is great fun um yeah me and my sister are like that. Like, if if my mum or dad choose a film to watch that we hate, then my me and my sister are just so in tune to just kind of joke, make jokes, and take the mic and talk through the film, which was yeah. my parents' love, of course. But I I like that mode where I like the idea of yeah. being in a packed cinema of everyone doing that. Um, and I feel like in now saying that, I've made no one ever, no one listening ever want to go to the cinema with me. <laughs> um, yeah, you're probably that really annoying person that doesn't stop, like doesn't stop speaking behind. I'm, I think I'm mostly alright in the cinema, but I, I may I make also just honest. like going in cinemas and just not having to go on my phone. Like my phone's just away. Yeah, I love that. Although I think one of my favourite cinema experiences was the one in the middle of lockdown where I went to see Bill and Ted because for some reason I picked a time when no one else was there and I just had yeah. the whole cinema to myself. And it's like I got the big screen. I was able to like pop my bags on the chairs next to me because yes, I I brought multiple bags of snacks. Uh, was it just one? It felt like a lot. Um, and I was there, and like I did check my phone at points, and it was like, oh, what was that in? I'll IMDb, and I was just like, I got I got the cinema experience without the annoyance of like other people making noise or the annoyance of worrying that I'm making too much noise, and I just yeah. I had fun. And of course, it's during the mask time, so the fact I was in on my own, I didn't have to watch a whole film with a mask on. Which, because I'd imagine watching an entire film while my glasses are steamed up would be quite difficult. Yeah. No, I think if you buy snacks or something, you're allowed to take it off. Yeah. But it seems that's pretty good. I'm always a bring snacks to the cinema kind of person. Yeah. Once again, anyway, cheat Um But yeah. yeah, what's what question are we going to ask our listeners this week? I, I don't know. <laughs> we could do like, what actor does the worst accent or something? Yeah, name an actor who's terrible at accents. Yeah, I feel I don't like know we're what's being going to answer though. Mm. 
I feel like we're not being very nice to the actors in the film, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd be. I was watching. What was I watching? Uh, I'm partway through rewatch. So for some reason this week, I decided to watch loads of movies with Amanda Seyfried in them. I, I decided it today, and I've watched two today. Um, and so we're watching Let Us to Juliet. From... Yeah, Let Us to Juliet. Yes, yeah, so I was watching that, and there's. I think he's like becomes a love interest in that, but the grandson of the woman, I can't remember, but um. He is an accent who I think an actor who's I think is Mexican or something, but he's he's playing British, and it's like he's doing about five good British accents at the same time, but it is not good because they're like different British regions all like blending together and bouncing between. I've never them. noticed it's that such before, a mess. but I haven't seen it. For yeah, I hadn't seen so it for long. probably about seven years, and uh, I've just randomly after watching a film called The Big Wedding, I was like, I want to watch another Amanda Seyfried movie. And so I just pulled that off my shelf and I'm I'm partway through it. I don't remember what happens, but I'm enjoying it. Um so yeah, let us know actors that do bad accents. Um and hopefully not all of them will be Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. Um but yeah, thank you. Where where can they find us on social media, Ellen? Um you can find us at Instagram. At Love Rosie Pod. Mm-hmm. And you can find our personals via that. Yeah, we're also on Facebook and Twitter. And I never plug this, but I want to tell them we're on IMDb. If you want to look at us on IMDb for some reason, I don't know. We're there. Oh, yeah. uh, you can you can look at, and then via our page, you can see what we're involved in through other podcasts and films and that. Um, you can also email us at uh, loverosypod at gmail.com. So. Yeah, thank you, listeners, for sticking thank through what may be a real mess of an episode. Um, yeah, it probably we probably really bad. I'm sorry, I'm really tired. Oh no, it's definitely my doing as well. Like I made like loads of notes on some elements and then just full blanks and others. But yeah, um, there wasn't really much to say other than I hate Sally. Yeah. No, no, yeah. And, and, and kind of similar for me, it's like I like Tamsin Edgerton, but don't like Sally. And that, that, I mean, that's, that's a credit to an actress to, to be able yeah. to be someone who is like really likable as a person, but as a character, really detestable. Like that, that's, that's a good line. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, thank you, everyone. Thanks very much. Toodle Bye. pip. Bye, everybody. The Love Rosie podcast theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of Reprise from the Love Rosie soundtrack, originally composed by Ralph Reganmayer. The Love Rosie podcast is produced by Bottle Productions and is distributed by Lemon Drop Studio. For more podcasts and blogs, visit lemondrops.com. <laughs>